0: Hello, and welcome to um, Popping Bubbles podcast and our special segment uh, before Inaxis World Cup 2023, where we talk to national champions from all over the the world. And uh, today we have uh, someone who is going to represent Inaxis Canada uh, on the World Cup.
1: Uh, Ladies, if you could introduce yourself. I can go first, maybe. Okay, perfect. Hi, um, my name is Jordan. I'm the president of Enactus Laurier, the team that's representing Enactus Canada this year for the World Cup. And I'm also the founder of Caponia Innovations, which is one of the enterprises we'll be presenting.
2: And I'm Meral, I'm not the president of Enactus Laurier, but I am one of the co founders of Sofi, which is the second enterprise that we'll be presenting at the World Cup.
3: Oh, that, that's great. So we have like representatives of, of, of uh, different projects. So, so how, how long have you guys been with Enactus Canada or like with, with your respective Enactus?
1: I joined Enactus about a year and a half ago um, and have been here since. Loved the experience and just continue to keep growing with the team and learning new things.
2: And then I only then joined... I only- of this year so around 7 or 8 months ago so it's been shorter than Jordan but I like Jordan said I've loved every moment of it and definitely hoping to stay until graduation I guess
3: <laughs> Well we we uh we've spoken to different teams and um I mentioned this I think in every single recording like uh, if you have been there for 2 years you're pretty senior funny enough <laughs> it's like in in the grand scheme of things 2 years is nothing right but um in for For Enactus, it's a lot. So one and a half years is already quite long. And I would argue that seven months, you see a lot (laughs) in seven (laughs) months. So maybe you can tell us something about the projects. Uh, Jordan, I don't know if you want to start start us off.
1: For sure. Um, Okay. So I founded Capone Innovations about a year and a half ago when I joined. And it's really focused on working with Indigenous communities in Northern Canada to create tailor-made future-proof housing and homes uh, using sustainable materials that will result in climate-resilient buildings. As we know, climate change is a really big, really big concern. And especially in northern Indigenous communities, they're hit the hardest. So by working with them, we're able to create different units that suit their cultural uh, needs as well as environmental challenges. Oh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>
2: No, is, yeah, for sure. So Caponia is amazing, really focusing on housing. At Safi, we're kind of focusing on the other human rights, which is health. Um, we basically created a pasteurization device that can pasteurize milk for farmers in East Africa without electricity. So kind of the first of its kind. And so we have two main goals with that. The main one is, of course, to provide safe drinking milk, especially to pregnant women and children. They're the ones who are most affected by the problem of unsafe milk. And then also farmers and milk vendors can sell pasteurized milk for a really big premium. And so using our device to help pave a path out of poverty for them.
3: Okay, I, I have a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you come up with the idea to make a a device that can pasteurize milk for a completely different continent
2: very random i completely agree with you um so it's a bit of a story we actually started safi two years ago um we were doing a competition i guess kind of like an act about social good um and around the world and the prompt we were given was find a problem that's happening because of climate change and find a solution to it in the developing world and we found that unsafe milk is spreading a lot in east africa especially now like Jordan mentioned, climate change has makes a lot of problems, including now a lot of farmers in East Africa need to use camels as their primary cattle rather than cows, um, just because camels survive droughts better. But camels carry a lot of diseases in them. And so when people drink raw camel milk, they get the diseases that the camels were carrying. And again, you, like you said, very random, but a little more less random for me. I grew up in Oman in the middle east and we had myrrhs and camel milk there and so that was just the personal connection which got Sophie started
3: ah okay there it is the the, the like the connection because I mean like yes. I feel like with a lot of these uh challenges it's also great like lo- local challenges you kind of need to know that they exist exactly I mean, we were talking in Actis India earlier apparently they have a big problem with uh water hyacinth uh, it's like an invasive species there I didn't know prior to talking yeah. to them about it, so you kind of figure it out. But that's really great to hear. So, so Jordan, like you've been involved, you've, you're the founder of of your project. So, I mean, uh, in one and a half years' time, I think you've probably seen it all. Like, where 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 are you guys at now,
1: currently um, with the project? So, for the past year and a half, the beginning of our journey really focused on working with the communities to learn and understand the challenges because we're based in Ontario. Our project is focused in the Northwest Territories, which is very far from Ontario <laughs> and very different, like um, weather conditions, even infrastructure that they have. So, a lot of the focus in the beginning six months and onwards was continuing conversations to understand sort of the challenges, the needs, and what we had to consider in developing a sort of solution. As of right now, we've secured all of our partners for um, our housing kit. And that's, like, including, like, IKEA, who will be doing all of the interior finishing and furnishing. Um, and then we're ready to build our first model home to make sure all of our innovations work and are safe and just ensure that it can sustain through the winter. All of our materials have been used and tested, just not together in the way that we're bringing them. Um, so we're ready to build our first model home. And it was planned to be built this coming fall, but right now in the north, there are currently raging wildfires and there's been like over 20,000 people evacuated. So we're pushing that back a little, obviously, um, but we're ready to build. So we might be building in Alberta instead, depending on sort of what the situation looks like in the next coming months.
0: Wow, that's so cool. I'm I'm also wondering... Uh, As you mentioned, you um, place in Ontario, and then you operate pretty far away from where you are. So I'm also curious how that idea came up.
1: Yeah. So when I started Capone Innovations, I was really focused on climate change and its impact to people. And then I realized that there's a very interesting relationship between the construction industry and climate change in the sense that. The same industry that's building homes is simultaneously pushing people out of their homes with the materials that they're using and how they contribute to CO2 emissions um, and like creating a third of the world's overall waste. And I wanted to find a solution that didn't add to the problem. And then at our university, we actually have a research office in the north. And I was connected through our research office to a community in the north when I discovered that those most impacted by climate change on the front lines in Canada are indigenous people. So we were connected to a community. I flew up there last August um, to go and listen to the residents um, and sort of understand and see the conditions. And then since that moment and hearing the residents speak about how they're tired of getting the worst materials, they're worried about their youth leaving, it really solidified my passion to be part of a team um, and develop a solution with them that that would alleviate a lot of the concerns and challenges they face and Accessing adequate and suitable housing.
0: Wow.
3: I, yeah, I, I, honestly, I know, Lisa. I mean, I mean, it's uh, every time it's quite impressive.
0: <laughs> yeah, we we listen to all those different teams every time, and we just keep getting surprised. And I personally always just so it's so crazy to me how all those teams come up with so many different ideas, and it's just crazy. Wow. <laughs> well
3: so so what i'm what i'm wondering and i think that this is this is a thing that i've always experienced is like how do you go from a conceptual idea to actually getting something done like you were saying that that you've now secured your partners and 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 that you were actually planning on building a prototype uh model house so because i I feel like a lot of teams can also sometimes get kind of stuck in the idea like that six month period that you're kind of talking to your potential target audience you're not quite sure yet that that They actually want what you're going to be supplying. So how did you move from that stage to actually engaging with partners? And how did you even find the partners to to begin with?
1: A lot of time researching, speaking to experts. Um, It's definitely using the connections you have as a student is so important in your entrepreneurship journey. I feel like because we had a research office in the North, it was really easy to connect with our target audience and who we sort of wanted to support and then having them sort of guide the conversation with what they wanted to see when it came to housing really steered us in the direction and after our trip we spent endless amounts of hours in meetings um, with different innovative products that are in the construction industry to sort of see whether it would fit the different criteria that we have as Mimi knows. In our script for like the World Cup, we have like a long list of criteria we have to hit um, to ensure the homes meet their needs. But a lot of time was spent researching, speaking to experts. We're talking to Indigenous Services Canada, which is the federal government for um, Indigenous communities, and sort of supporting them. So we have a lot of external support from advisors in different um, in different groups, whether it be construction. Energy modeling, energy planning, um, indigenous relations, stuff like that, really leaning on them to, for support to continue um, building and expanding and sort of hitting our goals. I think using the people you have around you and really building those connections and relationships is how you get out of that sort of stuck spot because they are so willing to support you in developing a solution because we, as like student entrepreneurs, take the time to sort of figure out the problem and find something. We have the the time, the resources to do it, and we really care. And I feel like when external advisors, whether it be the government, um, different suppliers, sort of hear your story and where you're coming from, they are so open to being part of it because they want to create change in the world, similar to how we do.
3: Yeah, I, I do feel like it kind of depends on on the partners. Though, like I I recall my own Enactus project, we were busy with uh, finding a solution to recycle cigarette uh, butts, and one of the ideas that we had was uh, baking some of the material into bricks to use it in construction. And uh, we found some some partners, and they were like, "Oh yeah, no, that's really cool, but uh, you can can you give us like uh, like a ton of cigarette butts, and we'll pay you like." Uh, 10 cents the ton and it's like, Oh, but there's no way that we are. We never really figured out how we could even make that like a feasible business model. Yeah. Uh, I mean, with the pasteurization of the milk, I mean, I heard you, you really, you really specified the, the value that you're creating there for, for like commercial parties. Like, is that something you had to develop? Did you have to think about that a long time? Or
2: (laughs) A hundred percent. Actually, to your initial question, like, how did we get past the prototyping phase? Our initial prototyping very different to where we are now piloting Mm -hmm. in a few weeks. Um, and it was going down to our target users and all of the stakeholders we were interacting with in Africa to get their feedback. I think there's only so much you can do in your own ideation phase, and your own prototyping phase. And like you think you're creating the most ideal situ- like situation, the most ideal product, but at the end of the day, you can create something perfect in your minds, but you have to go to your target audience and see, is this really what they need? Is this really what they want? Um, And I think we spent a lot of time doing that. Like we took a trip to Rwanda um, last April, took our initial prototype. It was so much fun. Yeah, we're going back in two weeks. So very excited for that. Um, But yeah, I think just co-creating with your target audience is so important. And that's what pushes you from just an idea phase to your actual product and being open for those changes. Um, I think is really important. And so when we went to Rwanda in April, we went with kind of just the health value proposition. Like, you know, we're going to help save lives with this device. We went there and for a lot of the farmers, they were like, awesome, like that sounds great. But like, I cannot afford to put this little money that I have into a product that might save my life. Like I have a million other problems that I need to deal with. And that's when we found out that actually selling pasteurized milk can increase your income by around 60%. And so it was that value, value proposition that completely changed their approach. And they're like, we need this, like, whether it helps our health or not, like, it's okay. Like, this can really change our lives. This can, this device can help me send my child to school. Um, and so it, that's a piece of feedback that we wouldn't have been able to get and insight had we not gone down there ourselves Um so there's only a limited amount. You can do the prototyping phase. So my recommendation is as soon as you can, even if your prototype's not perfect, get down to your target users because they know much more about the space than you do, especially in our context where we aren't East African farmers. Um, and so that's that was how we got out of like the ideation phase. And now we're piloting in just a few weeks, which which is really exciting.
3: Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, I I, yeah, I, I mean... Yeah, that that's for me was always the biggest question. Like, how do you actually move forward? Uh, I don't know if if you've experienced this in, in your time, but like there's also points where you feel like you're so stuck at a, you have a big <laughs> wall that you have to climb. Yeah. It, would, would you say that like having a dialogue with like partners kind of forces you to push past it because they're expecting something from you?
2: I remember after we went to Rwanda, I was just kind of like, this is amazing, but now we can't give up. Like if I, if I feel stuck one day, I cannot just like say, you know what, this is the end of Safi. I'm going to go like take a break. There are people who are relying on us now. So it's an awesome feeling, but also very terrifying at the same time. But I think Sometimes when you're not able to motivate yourself internally, that external motivation does help. You have people who believe in you. And sometimes we need that because we all know the entrepreneurship journey is not very smooth or easy. Um, it has a lot of highs and lows.
1: I definitely agree with you, Mimi. Um, there are times where like, we are in meetings back to back to back. And it, the entrepreneurship journey can definitely be tiring, but knowing that you have this relationship with the people you want to support and understanding that like they're looking to you in the sense that for a lot of the communities that we at Enactus Laurier support and work with, not a lot of people in society are sort of taking the time to work with them and find solutions that will work with their challenges. And it's, it's definitely a heavy responsibility to carry. I completely agree. And But I think just knowing that we can make a change in someone else's life after having conversations with like partners, community members, like the youth in these communities, it is so rejuvenating to just go back to your laptop and go, okay, like I've got this. Like (laughs) we've come so far and there's so much support and like so many people looking forward to hearing the updates, knowing what we're doing, us asking them questions to learn more that it's like, I was really meant to do this. Like we were. This is what. This is our path. <laughs> That's
3: yeah, Lisa. Do you want to respond to that one?
0: I'm. I'm just. I'm. Uh, I'm absorbing all, the, all that you're saying, and I'm also. We talked a lot about sometimes in Nexus journey we like hit this kind of a wall. So I really also, because I'm part of actress myself, so I also relate to it a lot. And then it just, you go back and you get inspired by those who are working for, working with, and you're just like, okay, now I, I just can't. <laughs> I, I cannot do that right now. Um, but also I was wondering, maybe there was something um, like a particular challenge that he overcame, a particular problem that you are so proud that you could
1: um, go through. Maybe do you want me to start or do you want to start? You can go.
2: I have so many (laughs) that I just sort
1: through. (laughs) There's there's definitely, I feel like both Mimi and I, like both Safi and Caponia picked such hard problems to try and solve. (laughs) Um, But I feel like for me, the biggest, I guess, challenge and blocker was the construction industry is very slow to change and innovation just because they're used to doing it The same old way, regardless of like the climate region you're in, um, the different challenges you might be facing, like permafrost, the snow load, stuff like all the technical things. They're very, I guess, comfortable in sort of continuing to build homes that same old way. So there was definitely a lot of blockage (laughs) when we were trying to sort of look for innovative products, ways that we could approach the building. Um, aspect and also tying in like building capacity within these communities because in northern uh, Canadian and northern Indigenous communities, it's very expensive to fix, maintain, and repair the homes. And it's based on external trades people coming into the community, which also adds additional pricing. So, us trying to find something that balances like sustainability and the code and building regulations while also finding a way for community members to be part of the building process was the biggest challenge we faced. Thankfully, we got past it because a lot of our partners are very interested in being part of the movement to have community members be trained to assemble the homes, having um, businesses created around the housing needs in these communities. So I feel like our biggest success was finding that really good group of partners and advisors who supported our vision and were on the same path um, because definitely without them it would be it was very difficult to sort of find the right materials and approaches and components to achieve what we wanted to and ensure that the community's voices were heard. Um, so that was definitely the biggest challenge, but I'm glad we're, glad we're past that now.
3: (laughs) But like practically speaking, like you say that your, your partners really like uh, helped you out there with overcoming some challenges. What, what, what kind of stuff do they do? Do they like, come up with advice, or do they invest their own time and resources to kind of help think about the problem how How does that look?
1: Definitely, okay, so there i would I would break our um, partners and advisors into two different groups. We have an advisory board for Caponia who's really focused on helping us build relationships and understand the problem with indigenous communities in Canada. It's very much built on trust. You have to have It takes a long time to get to the position we're in now, just because of the the historical past and everything that has happened. Um, So this advisory group really focuses on, they give their time, their resources, connections to help us build a network in the North, um, to learn more about the problem, create floor plans that work for specific communities, um, figure out if they're on the grid or off the grid, sort of what energy we'll be needing. And then our partners who are more of our suppliers, construction partners, stuff like that. I would say similar to the advisors have definitely dedicated their time to supporting our mission and vision. But on top of that, have also dedicated their time in the future to train the residents so that if repairs need to be made, if anything like that, they have the capacity in the community to do that themselves. And they won't have to rely on external workers. Not only that, but I mean, I'm in Edmonton right now visiting our suppliers and they're taking us to their shops to see the different materials, get a feel for it. They're, they're definitely pushing themselves to a point where we can sort of explode this project because there's such a large need, not just in the Northwest Territories where we're starting, but across Canada and across Northern Canada, that it's like once we honestly get one home built, and this was like one of our external advisors from Indigenous Services Canada said this, once we get one built it's going to just implode like it'll be a huge thing because there's such a large need and right now there's not anyone who takes the time to learn and sort of bring together all of these innovations in the way that we did
3: that's that's really i mean you know it's i can't i can't believe you found someone that that is that is so willing right i mean i always kind of feel like sometimes the the question that you or uh, Obviously, if you're talking to like public institutions, they might have more of a a goal of, of helping out. But private private partners, I I usually always kind of think that they always ask the question, "What's in it for me?" Right? Like, how? <laughs> uh, yeah. Why would I spend my my time and money on this? What am I getting in return? So it's really cool that that you were able to uh, create the little club that you have that uh, that's doing this. So, so uh, Mirol, maybe how about you to answer the question? Yeah, the in, terms of,
2: in terms of biggest challenge, as Safi, we are a non right now, and so I guess money is always a, a challenge, and I think the biggest challenge for us is we're a group of Canadian students helping farmers in East Africa, and so when we go to Canadian grants or Canadian companies and we say, hey, this is what we're doing, they say, we love your work, but unfortunately it just doesn't align with our goals. We're really only helping Canadians. Oh, we say, okay, that's fine. And we go to East African companies and say, you're not East African. So like, we legally cannot give you money. And so it's always kind of like the path of like, you know, where do we get support from? There are people who believe in us, but like just a lot of red tape around funding. And I think our biggest success now, I think in the beginning, we used to get really like, re- uh, felt we were rejected by all of these like no's in terms of corporate sponsorships. Um, and we wouldn't know where to go. And we'd kind of take it upon ourselves but our biggest success has been realizing the university ecosystem is so extremely powerful um for example for shipping to ship our handles it costs around five thousand dollars which is a lot of money for a nonprofit. but you know when we went through the university they were able to cut that price down to six hundred dollars and so wow. using kind of like the partnerships you have within your university your own ecosystem knowing that you're not in it alone but using you know all of these incredible people around you have Helped us so much. Even all of our travel is supported by the university because they're the ones who are closest to us. You know, we invest our time there; they invest into us. And so, know that you're not in this journey alone. There are people around you who really, really will help, and you don't always have to go far to find them. We were going to big companies, not knowing that right across the street there are so many resources that could help us.
3: Uh, that's that's well said. I think that's a good takeaway also for for people that are just starting out. Uh, like, I, I feel like that has always, in the conversations we have, it's always been kind of an overarching theme, hasn't it, Lisa? Uh, I, I mean, that that all these teams connect with other people that help them really realize what they want to do. Mm-hmm. I think in the Netherlands, sometimes it's it's a bit harder. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's it's a little bit more uh, complicated. Or, yeah, or you
3: want to bootstrap it yourself and think that you can reinvent the wheel. But I mean, it's, I mean, this is very inspiring. And obviously you guys are going to the world cup, so you've done something right. <laughs> so are you excited for the world cup? How are you guys preparing at the moment?
1: Um, <laughs> I'm laughing because Mimi knows preparation has been very, very like we're very dedicated. We've spent a lot of time working hard to continue accelerating and developing our enterprises Um to get past what we presented at nationals. Like, I think both teams are super, we work together to find different funding opportunities for each other, um, keep each other updated with different things that are happening. And it's like, it's such a good relationship in the sense that we continue to support and encourage. And now it's time to buckle down and like write the script, do the video and all of that. So it's like, we're super excited that we've gone so far from nationals or have grown so far from nationals. and like. Now we get to present and showcase and collaborate and see what other teams have come together and see if there's any synergies, synergies between us as well, which is always really, really exciting.
3: How, how was uh, the national competition? Was it a stiff competition or did you just blow it out of the water?
1: <laughs> Mimi, I'll let you take this <laughs> one.
2: <laughs> of course. No, I mean, this is actually my first national competition. So it was amazing. So overwhelming to see so many people. It was It was incredible. I mean honestly like I wish I could say oh we blew out of the water it was easy but like those teams are incredible I'm sure if you've been to World Cup before you've seen Canada present um, I know Enactus at the end of the day is a competition, but it really was so inspiring just to, to see other people present like half of me was like, oh, wow, like, that's amazing. Like, I, I kind of want them to win, but like, I don't want them to win, you know. Um, so, no, everyone who presented was incredible. It's so exciting to see what the other universities are presenting, the impact that they're making. Um, so, no, I really enjoyed it. I'm so excited to see that on a bigger scale at the World Cup. Um, we're we're extremely excited.
0: <laughs> i i completely get what you're saying about it being a competition but at the end of the day you kind of wow all these people doing so much good stuff because uh, me and stefan were uh, on the national uh, competition uh, for the netherlands and we we're also doing the podcast and we were talking to different teams and also um just seeing this whole event was so inspiring i completely agree on that with you but is there maybe something sp- specific that you're the most excited about, about the World Cup?
1: I've never been to the Netherlands, so that's very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and I think, honestly, I'm really excited for us to both have the opportunity to showcase our enterprises on the global stage, because I think, like, I'm so proud of what we've done in this past year alone. Um that for us to have this opportunity and present and showcase and share, and potentially collaborate is amazing for both of us and our and our businesses to grow and continue to to succeed. Um, so I feel like that sort of opportunity opper- opportunity is very is very interesting and very exciting for me.
2: I actually have been to the Netherlands around five or six times, so it's not new for me, but that's probably the highlight for me still, just to be coming back. Love the Netherlands, especially Amsterdam, so we'll definitely be stopping there. Um, So that's going to be really fun, just being in an amazing city, but also just seeing all the other teams present. Again, I think it's just so inspiring to see what other people are doing in the world, maybe potential like synergies between them, collaborating, just learning what other people are doing. Maybe we'll find a business model that really inspires us or talk to someone who has ideas. And so I think really using this as an opportunity to grow the ventures um, and just learn how to do better. I think it's such an awesome opportunity for all of us to get together and have all of these passionate people about making a change in the world in one room. I, I at least assume it'll be amazing. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I, I think it's it's sometimes you only need to talk to one specific person to completely get for a sure. complete whole new idea about something. Uh, and I, I thought the national competition was already great for that, but I think that the World Cup will be amazing for that. For so sure. this uh, this World Cup, obviously, the overarching theme is, is thrive. So I wanted to ask you both, maybe Jordan, you can go first, and Miral, you can go second. Uh, what thrive means to you personally? <laughs>
1: I think there's two elements to thrive. Personally, I find that it's really about finding your passion and ensuring it can be part of your day-to-day life in that way that you're connected to and sort of have purpose and meaning through the journey that you're on. As an entrepreneur, it's long, it's tiring, it's a lot of work, but finding that passion and intertwining that with your goals is so important to feeling like a fulfilled and thriving individual. On the other side, though, from a business, I feel like thriving really means to work with your target community, your target population to ensure that they can they can flourish on this planet. Specifically for Caponia, the concept of having access to adequate housing is such a regular thing to a lot of people, but considering it's such a in high need in these communities, like being part of the solution um, and team that can sort of, Create that normality around housing for these communities, and allowing them to have a room that they can all call, that that they can call their own, and being able to take classes from that room, being in a healthy space and a healthy place, um, will truly allow them as an individual to thrive. And then, on top of that, allow their community to flourish as well.
3: Wow, nicely said.
1: Thanks. Very nicely said. Very hard to
2: follow, but. Um, <laughs> No, I, I think for me, I don't know if I got this from a song lyric or a movie line, but I always associate thriving with like thriving versus surviving. I don't want to just survive. You know, I want to thrive. And I always think of that when we're even building our business model, you know, safe milk, safe food to everyone will just help them survive. You know, it's a basic human need that they should have. And so, you know, giving people access to safe milk, that will just help them survive. But I think thriving is like more than that, giving them the extra money to really build their communities rise them out of poverty i think it's so important when you're building a venture especially when it's related to human rights like of course give them that human right but that only gives them enough to survive make sure you have other sides of your business that are really helping them take it a step further and really thrive and live their best life um through through your through your venture and so we've really tried that with Safi, and um we we hope to continue doing that
3: well said as well um (laughs) We get different answers every single time we ask this, so it's it's going to be fun to see the, the super cut of all the different answers, maybe the uh, <laughs> <a> semantic <laughs> analysis of uh, what, what Thrive means. So, all right, uh, Lisa, do you want to send us off?
0: Yes, for sure. Uh, thank you so much for joining. Uh, it was a pleasure having you and learning more about your projects. Uh, we're super excited to welcome you in Netherlands in October. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, Popping Bubbles podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Lisa.
3: And I'm Stefan. And good luck to you both. Uh, I'm sure you will do great. (laughs) Thank you.
2: Thank you so much.